With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. There are um, a further 154 tests to report today, four of which are positive, two are connected with previous positive cases, and two are community-acquired. These results date to samples taken up to the 21st of April. Chief Medical Officer Dr. John Lee reporting on the latest COVID-19 test results. Cayman has had 70 positives to date. 33 of those were symptomatic and 22 asymptomatic. Six people have been admitted to the hospital, an increase of one over our midweek report. Eight people have fully recovered and there has been one death. Dr. Lee today also apologized to a group of people who've been quarantined in the government facility for more than two weeks now awaiting test results. We've had to move from a, an automatic process for part of the um, management of the results to a manual process, and that's put a, a, quite a strain on the system. It's made us a lot slower at being able to process the results. Dr. Lee says their results are next and should be received shortly. We also learned that expanded testing options are now available. I'm pleased to report that Doctors Hospital are now able to test and they've started testing people. So there's a lot of good news all around today. The Minister of Health today praised key partners, including the Health Insurance Standing Committee of the Cayman Islands Insurance Association. The Honorable Dwayne Seymour says from the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, member companies of the health insurance industry stepped forward in, quote, an incredible way through a range of initiatives. This includes participating in a daily NEOP meetings, to ensure continuity of caring to their clients and the financial sustainability of the healthcare system, including a waiver of exclusions that would have prevented persons from receiving care required due to this pandemic, continuing dialogue regarding coverage of consultations via telemedicine with healthcare providers, expediting claim payments to healthcare providers on the front line, processing bills and claims electronically to ensure reimbursement payments are not interrupted. Many of these initiatives will come at a significant cost to the health insurance industry. But Minister Seymour says it reflects their ongoing commitment to the health and well-being of their customers. Minister Seymour says he and members of his ministry have been in discussions about how government could provide some level of support in regard to health insurance to those people working in industries most affected by this crisis. We expect to present a proposal to Cabinet in, in this regard in the coming week. Basically, if premiums are not paid, then the insurance companies will not be able to pay claims. And if persons aren't able to pay the premiums, insurance companies will not be able to provide the level of coverage long term. As I said, the Ministry the Health Insurance Standing Committee and various stakeholders are currently looking into various issues and a further update will follow. The minister publicly commended the insurance industry for their proactive approach of finding ways to support their clients, as well as first responders during this public health emergency. His Excellency the Governor Martin Roper provided an update on efforts to reunite residents with their homes overseas. Radio Command's Felicia Rankin-Solins has more on that. More flights are scheduled to help people return to their homes. Just on um, flights and evacuations, we have a, a second flight uh, to Miami on the 1st of May. The first flight sold out very quickly in under two hours. So there are still some spaces and seats available on that flight. Governor Martin Roper was the bearer of good news for Mexican nationals in Grand Cayman. I'm also pleased today to announce that we are working very closely with the Mexican government and there will be a flight to Cancun, Mexico next week to take back Mexican nationals. Um, so if, if you wish to um, go on that flight, please do uh, contact or email emergencytravel at gov.ky. 
um, and register. The British Airways Air Bridge continues to be of service to the Cayman Islands during this time. We're also in good shape on the British Airways um, Air Bridge, which comes in on Tuesday. We have about 57 uh, people returning on that flight um, at the moment. It's bringing in needed uh, kit, uh, extraction kits and swabs and the, the UK security team. Um, and um, I, I also want to sort of say to people that um, if you are on that flight, you can take two 23-kilogram pieces of hold luggage rather than one. In order to streamline services, Governor Roper notified the public of a new online form. I'm also pleased to announce that we have a new online form for the Emergency Travel Helpline, um, and you can upload uh, your details directly onto this form, and we'll put details of that out on uh, social media. For Radio K-Man News, I'm Felicia Rankin-Sollins. Local doctors addressed questions about the plans in place if the COVID-19 pandemic was to increase in the Cayman Islands and the Health Services Authority was at capacity. Dr. Archita Joshi with Health City Cayman Islands says the patients requiring ventilation with potential suspected or confirmed COVID-19 cases would then be transferred to the Health City Cayman Islands Critical Care Unit. There we have earmarked 11 beds in the medical intensive care unit for treatment of such patients. This includes two beds with airborne isolation rooms, which is you know, what we understand as a negative pressure isolation room, which would be an ideal circumstance to have such patients in. In addition to this, there is also a provision where Health City has earmarked around 24 beds, which are ward rooms, I mean 24 ward rooms, where we have central piped oxygen supply and a central vacuum, where patients with suspected or confirmed COVID can be housed. For those who don't need critical care, but do require hospitalization and admission to ward level care when health services is at capacity. So health services, I believe, has earmarked beds in their medical unit where the you know patients who do not require critical care but do require oxygenation or management in a hospital would be placed after their respiratory care unit is full. And Health City similarly has earmarked 24 rooms. Now, if there is a further surge and we are having a situation where we need more ventilated beds or more hospital beds, I'm sure both hospitals would be collaborating and trying to increase this capacity as we can. There's also a small provision to increase the number of ventilators. Dr. Joshi says if the situation comes to that, they have other equipment that would be helpful. I believe Health Services has four and we have five such anesthesia machines which can be used as ventilators. And when this situation does arise that we are running out of you know, beds with ventilation, we would be able to use at least a few of these machines for the purpose of ventilating patients with COVID-19. So these are the phase two and phase three plans. So you know, if, if the epidemic were to progress on our islands, then this is what we can do. And if there's a further surge, Dr. Joshi says both hospitals would be able to increase the number of beds that could be made available for COVID-19 patients. But she reminds the public that hospitals also have to reserve beds for non-COVID-19 related cases. Currently, the surgical unit at HSA and the first floor ward of Health City are reserved for non-COVID-19 cases. During a marathon session Thursday, lawmakers passed five amendment bills designed to bring relief and make life a little easier for the residents of the Cayman Islands. As Radio Cayman's Carsley Fuller reports, those include a provision that will allow private employers access to their pensions.
As you heard right here on Radio Cayman, amendments to the traffic law facilitate online vehicle registrations with less stringent documentation and let cabinet issue directives to the director of vehicle and driver's licensing in the light of emergencies such as pandemics. The immigration transition bill allows immigration processes to be adapted to meet workforce and permanent residents' needs and also extends term limits for work permit holders. The labor amendment bill amended the law to allow the service of documents, information, particulars, and other records to be submitted electronically electronically to the Department of Labor and Pensions. But the highlight of the meeting was the proposed changes to the National Pensions Law. Premier the Honorable Alda McLaughlin. This bill, Mr. Speaker, provides for A, a six-month pension holiday period commencing retroactively on 1st April 2020, during which time employers and employees will not be required to contribute to a pension plan. The other provision gives eligible persons the ability to withdraw a single lump sum in two circumstances. One, 100 percent of the commuted value or member's balance where the account does not exceed $10,000 and up to 25 percent of the remaining commuted value or member's balance, which is over ten grand. The suspensions will take place automatically, so there's no application process. But businesses and individuals can still choose to contribute to their funds. The government recognizes that these measures would provide immediate and much-needed relief to both businesses and workers alike. However, we have not taken the employment of these strategies lightly as we are very mindful that these policies will have long-term financial implications not only for pension administrators but also for the government and more importantly for each member who may find themselves having to withdraw from their pension plan during these times. You can't, Mr. Speaker, spend the money and still have it. One of the groups not eligible to access their pensions are public servants. We are able to say with confidence now that civil servants' salaries are intact, that we are not laying off any public servants. Four months or six months from now, that may not be the case. And so while there are those who are lobbying hard for public servants to have access to their pensions, I would ask them to hang on a little bit and let's see what happens. Because if civil servant salaries have to be cut, at least we'll have the pensions to look to to help people supplement their income. The other amendment bill passed Thursday night addressed overstaying. Reporting for Radio Cayman News, I'm Carsley Fuller. The final bill lawmakers dealt with Thursday was the Customs and Border Control Amendment Bill, which, as Radio Cayman's Paula Cal reports, launched an immediate amnesty for overstayers until further notice. Section 101 of the Customs and Border Control Law provides the director of CBC with powers to remove certain persons who are unlawfully in the islands. Estimates suggest that several hundred people are currently living in the Cayman Islands without permission to remain. Government says the amnesty is intended to reflect the, quote, spirit of compassion and humanitarianism, which underpins its approach to policies in response to COVID-19. For those who have overstayed their time or who are otherwise in the islands illegally, government hopes the amnesty will remove any fear of prosecution as a potential barrier to making urgent arrangements for departure from the islands via special evacuation. If you fall into that category, you're encouraged to contact the emergency travel hotline at 244-3333 or via email at emergencytravel at gov.ky. For Radio Cayman News, 
I'm Paul Akal. Police today confirmed a public figure has been charged with three counts of common assault and one count of disorderly conduct under the liquor license law in connection with an incident at Coral Beach on West Bay Road. While police did not name the suspect, we have reported previously that House Speaker the Honorable McKeever Bush had issued an apology about his behavior while announcing he would take a leave of absence to work on personal problems. The incident took place on Friday, February 21st at Coral Beach on West Bay Road. Police say they were called out to investigate a report that a 65-year-old public figure had assaulted a staff member present at the location. The Royal Cayman Islands Police Service conducted an investigation, submitted the case file to the Office of the Director of Public Prosecution for legal ruling. The DPP decided there was sufficient evidence to pursue the case. Mr. Bush reportedly appeared in court today and was bound over by the court to appear again on February 15, 2020. The Cayman Islands Department of Tourism has converted two professional development workshops to an e-learning platform. Each webinar will be offered Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. DOT Director Rosa Harris tells Radio Cayman the two courses, Found Ed and Promises, focus on skills critical to delivering the Cayman Kind experience. The Cayman Islands Department of Tourism is happy to deliver training opportunities during these unsettling times with the goal of offering an outlet of refocus. It is an opportune time to educate and motivate aspiring tourism business owners. The webinars will concentrate primarily on building a healthy tourism business with world-class customer service that will facilitate long-term success. A great benefit attendees will learn about is how DOT and tourism partners can work together which will be critical in the rebuilding of our industry through creating Cayman Kind memories from stellar customer service experiences. Those interested in attending the webinars can register at pride.ourkman.ky. Time now for a look at local sports. Here's Radio Cayman's Dion Anglin. Thank you, April. Cayman's swimming sensation and Olympian made a big splash with the Gators. Sean Frazier was recently inducted into the University of Florida Athletic Hall of Fame. Frazier, who swam for the Gators from 2006 through 2010, recently received word that he will be inducted as part of the 2020 class. However, the official announcement has not been made public just yet, but Radio Cayman caught up with Sean, who confirmed the exciting news. It's a tremendous honor just to be even mentioned in the same breath as some of the world's greatest athletes, including uh, Tim Tebow, and uh, just to join some of the other inductees at the University of Florida, which has a celebrated athletic tradition, arguably one of the best in the United States, uh, is something that I'm very proud of. And a testament to, you know, my parents and all the great coaches and mentors I've had throughout my career and the support that I've had from, you know, the, the Olympic associations, local swimming associations in the Cayman Islands, etc. So, yeah, just uh, to summarize, definitely one of the pinnacle achievements of my career and something that I'll forever cherish and is quite a nice honor to cap off what has been a great athletic career for me. At the 2009 Men's NCAA Division I Championships, Frazier set a school record in winning the 200-yard freestyle in 131.70 and an NCAA record in winning the 200-yard butterfly in 140.75. The Pan-American silver medalist earned 27 All-American accolades in his four years as a Gator swimmer, one fewer than the maximum number possible and the most of any male swimmer in Gator's history. In addition to a stellar career, Frazier is one of 
of Cayman's most decorated swimmers to grace the international pool, he represented the Cayman Islands at the 2004, 2008, and 2012 Olympic Games, where he qualified for the semifinals in his last Olympic showing. At the 2006 Central American and Caribbean Games in Colombia, he set the game's record in the 200-meter freestyle in 149.84, bettering the 24-year-old mark of 151.71 set by Venezuelan at the 1982 Games. At the 2007 Pan American Games in Rio de Janeiro, Frazier garnered a silver medal in the 200-meter freestyle. Four years later, at the 2011 Pan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico, Frazier again won the silver medal in the men's 200-meter freestyle, finishing second behind his younger brother, Brett. In 2014, Frazier announced that he was putting his swim career on hold, eventually retiring his goggles around that time. Frazier is currently an attorney at law and the founder of Frazier Immigration Law, based in Miami Beach, Florida. And one of Cayman's leading female sprinters, Shalisa Ray, has been offered a full scholarship to attend Kansas State University. It's a really exciting feeling for me to get the opportunity to attend a D1 school as well as to compete with other D1 schools and athletes because, as you know, D1 is where most of the competition lies. And I'm really excited to get the feel of a more intense competition because I need that as I'm trying to qualify for the Olympics next year. Okay, and have you? what exactly are you looking forward to most? But what I'm looking forward to most, I would say, is firstly academic-wise because they do have exactly what I want to study. So I'm looking forward to that. It's sports management as well as event marketing. Yes. And as well as I'm really looking forward to the training just to get like a, a new training feel because I'm coming from an NAIA school. So they don't have really have as much resources as I would need to like move up a level in, I guess I would say, training. So I'm really excited to like take the next step with deal with resources and stuff. Because you no know, D1 schools, they have a lot of resources for their athletes. So I'm really excited to you know get involved with that. Have you been doing anything here at home um, to keep you prepared for when that date does finally come? Yes, mom, I have. They've actually sent me some workouts and stuff to do, like some abs, some drills and stuff, just to keep me active, so that when the season does start, I'm not overweight or just to keep me updated with the workout and so that when I get there, I'll be in shape. About half a dozen universities and college have been showing an interest in Ray. She was named Gulf Coast Athletic Conference Athlete of the Week in women's track in March of 2019. In her freshman year at Xavier University of Louisiana, Ray set a school record of 56.57 seconds in the 400-meter dash at the Louisiana Classics in Lafayette. That time also was an A-qualifying mark for the NAIA National National Championships later that year. Also as a freshman at Xavier, Ray sprinted to the top of the NAIA's 2019 season list when she ran 400 meters in a school record 55.27 seconds at the Southern Miss Invitational Track and Field Meet. That was the second consecutive meet that Ray broke the school record at this distance. Well, that's it from me. I'll shoot it back to April in the studio for more local news. Thank you, Dion. Some of Cayman seniors turned up to do their grocery shopping this week to find their groceries had already been paid for, courtesy of Caribbean Utilities. Premier the Honorable Alden McLaughlin today expressed appreciation on behalf of government to CUC. He says the utility plans to repeat the gesture at another grocery store next week. That is your latest local news from Radio Cayman's newsroom. I'm April Cummings.